This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Grit and Barrett Podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, everyone. It is... A Friday, Dece- Friday, December t- 29th. Hope everyone is enjoying your holiday week. It's that weird in-between time between Christmas and New Year's where either you're working, you're not really working, or just not working at all. So this past week, um, I would wanted to do two episodes this week. One recap episode and this one. Unfortunately, due to circumstances of me working third shift, working overnights, uh, just and two Bears games this week, it just really made it hard for me to do a recap episode. So on Monday, we'll do them all. We'll do this past week. Maybe I'll get the previous Phantoms one in, but I will catch up from the holiday break on Monday. Rest assured of that. But this episode is celebrating one thing, because this weekend, it's the Winter Classic, everyone! The Winter Classic is back! Winter Classic, Winter Classic, Winter Classic. I love the Winter Classic. I love the outdoor games if that hasn't already been properly established. I love it all. The pomp, the circumstance, the big arenas, the weird jerseys, the concerts, everything about the Winter Classic. It's great. It's been one of the few things Gary Bettman has not fucked up since his tenure. And trust me, he's done a lot. I mean, the Arizona Coyotes, a little bit of the Southern Expansion. And I know people are going to blame him for the bubble hockey tournament and the corporate divisions of 2021. Well, the corporate divisions of 2021 weren't exactly a bad idea. But considering this is the crown jewel of the NHL, while the Stanley Cup is, the playoffs are a different beast altogether. The NHL said, we're going to create a marquee game and put it on New Year's. And they did that. They carved themselves a spot on New Year's that was starting to fall out of line with college football a little bit, and there they are. Or on the odd year, it falls on January 2nd. But anyway, the Winter Classic is great. It absolutely is. Even with all the pomp and booga booga booga, it is hockey in its purest form. Outside, mind-numbingly cold, snow, if the hockey gods deem it, just create an amazing atmosphere that leaves fans every year wondering... What's the next combination going to be? And while we've had 13 of these, it should have been more like 16 by this point, but stupid pandemic and a lockout, 
sort of um, dampened a few years. I wanted to do this for a long time. And two years ago, I actually ranked the four best and four worst at the summertime. But this year, I'm going to rank all of them. This is every winter classic ranked so far. I know I sound like a YouTuber doing this, but again, this is something I've wanted wanted to do. So, while you're going to enjoy the Winter Classic this weekend, let's take a look at, at the previous ones. I'm sure you probably know which one's already number one. Some of you know, but let's just go through and have some fun with all these, shall we? Before we do start, though, of course, thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network and, of course, our sponsor of this podcast. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> I really do sound like a YouTuber. When I talk like that. But anyway, you ready? Because here we go! We kick things off at number 13 with the pretty obvious dead freaking last one in the 2016 Winter Classic between the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. Boy, this was a really bad Winter Classic. I've already covered this on my top four best and worst. So I'm not going to rehash a lot of what I said. Just basically, this game was a snoozer. 5-1. You didn't even get Carey Price in net for this. You got Mike Condon. The game didn't even really take place in Boston. It took place in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium. I mean, yeah, sure. Let's have the NHL's premier big event in Boston, but not, not really as well. The two teams involved seem like a slam dunk. The Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens, two teams that played each other, and the long time, great history between these two, and the alumni game writes itself. But again, unfortunately, the game just turned into a bit of a dud. No carry price, Mike Condon, Boston gets routed, sort of at the tail end of its, of its, uh, of its um, a good 2010s era. It was just a bad day at the office all around. Plus, not to mention, uh, female. We had a uh, female hockey player in the W eight W H L. I think at this at this point uh, suffered a career ending injury in the game before game before this in an exhibition game beforehand. And if that wasn't a sign at the hockey gods that this was coist, then well, I don't know what is. It took. Seven years before we finally got back to Boston, and we're going to get one on Monday between the Bruins and the Pens. But this game was just a whole lot of... And again, the atmosphere didn't really help. Nice Montreal jerseys, though. Really nice Montreal jerseys. We go next to number 12 to the following year, Chicago versus St. Louis. Ugh, I hate putting this one so low. I really do. I really wanted to like this. A outdoor game at Bush Stadium with the arches in the background and the blues in the back and the arch in the background, the great blue jerseys. Unfortunately, this was an era where the Winter Classic was starting to lose a lot of steam at this point. And you're going to you're going to see after a certain year at number 1, things really start to taper off. But Chicago, this was their checks notes. One, two, I think third game. Yes, definitely Chicago and Washington, Chicago and St. Louis. It was like this was going to be their second winter classic in three years. And they were going to be involved another one in 2019 as well. 
Plus, they've already had a few Stadium Series games that they've been involved as well. It's just we're getting tired of seeing the Chicago Blackhawks in an outdoor setting. And I'm pretty sure that that they probably got a little bit tired of it as well. Heck, the the freaking jerseys that they wore in this were just carbon copies of when they played against the Washington Capitals two years two years earlier when a team doesn't even really want to make specialty jerseys anymore you got a problem the game itself did start out promising enough for Blackhawks fans with Michael Kempney getting a goal very early and getting them up early but St. Louis just pretty much took over with Berglund Tarasenko getting two and Alex Steen getting another to make it a four one laugher. The game didn't even really have a lot of penalties and anyway. And outside of the uh, uh, St. Louis Arch setting and the blue jerseys, this game was pretty much forgettable. I really wanted to like this game. I really did. And I think the NHL did too. But Chicago and St. Louis, the black and blue rivalry, just didn't really live up to the standards. So at number 13, so at number 12, my bad, the Chicago Blackhawks versus the St. Louis Blues. We go to number 11 and the 2022 Winter Classic between the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild. God, this hurts. This really does. But this one was more of a victim of circumstance than anything. This was a high-scoring game, 6-4 being being the final, but a lot of circumstances really dragged this thing down. It was the first outdoor game as we were getting out of trying to work through the second wave of the the great virus. Uh, Teams were dealing with taxi squads and more more breakouts on the team. Minnesota was a bit banged up coming in, and the game just really lost a lot of feel to it. It was the first year that TBS was taking over broadcasting this game. So while you had some of the, or was it the TNT crew? But anyway, you know know what I mean. I thought we were going to get Ernie and the boys at the game. But nope, they decided they stayed in Atlanta because, haha, COVID, and none of them really wanted to go out there anyway. God bless Kenny Albert. He tried. He really did. He did. He tried to sound really good and make this game really entertaining, but it really wasn't. Credit to Minnesota and Wild fans going to Target Field, even though this was the coldest winter classic everywhere. And trust me, TNT bludgeoned you over the head to tell you that it was. The game time temperature was negative 5.7 and making it the coldest game ever. The game itself, well, David Piron got things started before Kirill Kaprizov answered to tie the game. St. Louis would go on a three uh, goal, three goals unanswered. Um, Barbashev, Tarasenko, Karyu, and Jordan Karyu got two to make it 5-1. And it felt pretty much over at that point. Rem Pitlick made it 5-2. Tory Krug for the Blues made it 6-2. Minnesota tried to make things interesting by getting two from Ryan Hartman and Kevin Fiala. But other than that, this, this felt like a bit of a letdown. To where this should have been a great celebration of hockey returning and getting back to where it once was. But we just couldn't get to that point as of yet, unfortunately. Because of circumstances and the way the world was at that point. So St. Louis and Minnesota should have been a lot bigger than what it was, 
but it just wasn't. But speaking of a game not living up to the hype, we go to number 10, and that is the Washington Capitals versus the Pittsburgh Penguins 2011. Man, this game had a ton of hype going going into it. Mega stars on both sides. Alex Ovechkin versus Sidney Crosby. Marc-Andre Fleury versus Brandon Hall. Nope. Versus Simeon Varlamov. Okay. Let's let's go with that. And this was going to be a battle of the next generation of stars. NBC really promoted this matchup. Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. 68,000 people there. And it didn't really live up to what it should have been. Unfortunately, hockey's not like professional wrestling, where you can book two big stars to face off against each other, and boom, you have an instant three three to five star classic. No, sometimes when two big stars play each other, they don't have the big games that you want. I think NBC was spoiled about a couple years prior when Ovechkin and Crosby had the dueling hat tricks in the playoffs. That was the peak, near peak of the Ovechkin-Crosby rivalry. Many will argue that 15-16 was, but I digress. I'm getting ahead of myself. This was nowhere near the matchup that it really should have been. First off, the game kept getting delayed because it it was originally slated to start at 1, but there was rain concerns that this, for this game... So it got moved to eight. The game could have been postponed or canceled altogether because it was a really warm, warm year on New Year's for for Pennsylvania. It was one of those forty degree and rain New Years. It wasn't one of those twenty and cold New Years. No, no, no. It was one of those forties and rain moving through throughout the area. Um, the NHL even thought that. We'll, we'll move this to January 2nd. We'll be fine. Hell, we'll reschedule this indoors. We'll move to Casal. We'll just play it there. I mean, there's no way that 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 anyway this that this could have happened. But it eventually got down to the 30s. They moved it to the evening. And the game still happened. The game still happened. So all that worry for nothing. This was a really nice uniform matchup, but as well, the Capitals wearing those beautiful stars and stripes jerseys that they use that they used to wear back in the seventies and eighties. And Pittsburgh brought back out the navy blue jerseys with the scarf skating penguin. Unfortunately, most gingers will tell you those are the jerseys of Doom. Why are they called the jersey of Doom? Well, simply being because well, Sidney Crosby got his concussion. In these jerseys because he got a headshot taken to him. Um, Evgeny Malkin got injured in these jerseys a few weeks later. Then the following March, Jordan Stahl got injured in these jerseys too. Then they just said, that's it. We're done. We're not wearing these and not wearing these anymore. It's a shame. It's a really nice design, but the blue jerseys of doom struck again. The Capitals ended up taking this affair three to one and the goal scorers. Well, I mean, Evgeny Malkin scored for Pittsburgh. That's a good thing. But Washington was able to respond with two goals. I bet it was Alexander Ovechkin. He scored two goals and slayed the Inzers. Uh, no. Uh, Mike Knubel on a power play? Uh, well, Ovechkin got an assist, didn't he? No. No. Then Eric Fair would net two goals. 
Who? Eric Fair. Who? Product of Hershey. And um, yeah, he got two goals and made it 3-1. Alex Ovechkin wasn't even a factor. He really wasn't. Simeon Varlamov was your first star of the game with 32 saves. The game just didn't live up to the hype. In fact, it was a little bit of a clunker. Because you had so much hype and going into this and just... It didn't really happen. Sorry. So at number 11, number 10, the Washington Pittsburgh 2011. At number nine, we go to 2020 winter classic between the Nashville Predators and the Dallas Stars. I know what the NHL was trying to do with this. I know what they wanted. They wanted to have a game in the South. Gary Bettman knew that this was long overdue. They had to get out of original six cities. They had to get out of having Chicago or Boston or what or whatever um, and had to try something new with this product. So you went to Texas. Seemed like a nice off- offer as well. Dallas, Dallas, Texas. And between... The thing is, though, where in Texas would you have this? You can't have it at Gerald World because it's not outdoors. So they decided to play this at the Cotton Bowl. No no bowls were going to be held, held there. 60,000 people you could stuff into this thing. And at least in the atmosphere, it was really great. 85,000 people showed up. You know, it was one of the last great events of 2020. And then all that changed when the Corona Nation attacked. But the game itself was a bit of a clunker to start to start out with. I mean, Corey Perry had to take the long walk of shame after he elbowed Ryan Ellison the head very early in the game. Uh, Perry would end up getting a five game suspension for for what for what he did, and Nashville was able to jump up two nothing from it. Matt Duchesne and and Fab Fabro. Uh, made it two nothing early, but in the second period, Dallas just stormed right back. Blake Como, Matthias Yanmark were able to tie it. Dallas was able to take the lead on the power play on a goal by Radulov, and then Andre Sikora would make it would make it four two. I am thoroughly convinced this was the game that got Peter Laviolette fired, in which he was a, a couple weeks a couple weeks after this. The Stars would would score four more, as I just said, and it just kind of turned into into a laugher. Now the now the reason why this is ninth instead of much lower, uh, the uniforms weren't that bad. The Dallas ones, the gang green, the blue pan- the brown pants were a little weird, but the gang green jerseys for Dallas was really nice. The Predators uh, going with Dixieland cursive was not the best idea in your uh, chest stripe jerseys. Plus, um, you know, for a team that really likes to go out there with really big, gaudy jerseys, uh, paying homage to the Nashville Ice Pilots? Yeah, everybody knows about them. But for, again, for a team that likes to be flashy and flair in Nashville gold, these jerseys were very conservative and a bit of a letdown. The game itself wasn't terrible and showed an outdoor game could happen in the South. And two years later... Nashville would host their own stadium series game, and if they really do get that big indoor roofed stadium that they want in downtown Nashville, methinks a winter classic in Tennessee is very, very doable. 
But for the 2020 Winter Classic, it just lands at number nine. I hope Bettman does want to take another one in the South because it can work. Just don't know where we go next. Speaking of going next, at number eight, the Chicago Blackhawks versus the Washington Capitals 2015 in Washington, D.C. Look, we all knew the Washington Capitals were going to get an outdoor game. It was almost like a contract they made with with Gary Bettman. They were going to get one. Some thought they were going to host one in 2011 as kind of a 10th year anniversary tribute to 9-11 and all that. But um, in 2015, they finally got, got one hosting the Chicago Blackhawks who were going to appear in their second outdoor game back-to-back considering they were in a stadium series game the year prior. Nationals Park hosted this and, uh, okay, that's kind of a big reason why it's at number eight right now. Nationals Park is not the best venue for this. Yes, you had the Washington Capitals. You had everything going on with them. Ovechkin in his prime. You wanted to have it there in D.C. The Capitals jerseys were probably one of the best they've come up with in this Ovechkin era. It wasn't a homage to anything in the past. They were Fox throwback jerseys, and they worked. They absolutely worked. The logo wasn't that bad either with the red, white, and blue and the Capitol building in the background. The whole problem was this whole, um, that just having it at these, that at National Park, National Park's not that great of a baseball park. I mean, I'll make it down there one of these days, but it's not exactly the best venue. You don't have the Capitol in the background. You had a freaking construction crane there in the background because they're rejuvenating and refurbishing that entire area all the time, it seems like. I mean, you can't, you couldn't have played this at old RFK because of how old it is. You're not going to have it at Landover, Maryland, where the commanders play. So it wasn't the best, but location for it but it could have just I just felt like there there could have been more with DC in this but credit to DC hockey fans they showed up for this and they got to see Eric Fair get a goal early on to put the caps up 1-0 Ovechkin scored all was well at 2-1 Chicago tied it up with goals by Sharp and Saad but Troy Bauer got a 4-on-3 power play goal with 13 seconds left on the game to give Washington the lead. A bit of a spirited tilt between between these two. But Alex Ovechkin got, got his goal. And everything was just fine. It was a fine day at the office. It just seems like Nationals Park was not the best atmosphere to do this. I know. Where else in D.C. are they going to have this? Well, you know, maybe a pop-up mini rink at the National Mall could have been a whole lot better than this. At number eight, the the 2015 Winter Classic. And we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with the rest of the countdown right after this. All right, hockey fans, it's time to light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets even to bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more with your shots and an even bigger payout. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And now, on with the countdown. And we're back as we're going through every winter classic ranked. Thank you to everyone for staying with me so far. This has been a little loose, a little off the cuff, but hey, that's what works about this. So let's keep this going as we go to number seven. We're on we're on the good half. We're on the front half of this countdown now. Number seven, the 2019 winter classic between the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, when I originally did the top four best and worst winter classics, I had this in the worst. But you know what? I think I'll take a bit of an L on that one. This wasn't bad. This wasn't as bad as I made it out to be. Because, yeah, the Blackhawks dynasty is coming to an end. The Bruins are good. Not great. And this game wasn't really all that entertaining to me because we were getting a lot of we were getting tired of seeing basically a lot of original six teams and a lot of Boston and Chicago but you know what as much as I knocked the team before for really just giving us more of the same old same old I think they really tried to give us something new with this it's the location that really saves this Notre Dame Stadium there in Notre Dame, Iowa, 76,000 stuffing themselves into the classic college football bowl with touchdown Jesus in the background and the band playing them out. Bum, 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 Okay, I'm a sucker for Notre Dame football. Bite me. But the game itself wasn't that bad. Boston wore those brown, gold, and white, and black candy cane jerseys. I'm not a big fan of them. They don't put no toot in my horn. I'm sorry. I'm not. But a lot of Bruins fans seem to like them. So what does a hack like me know? Um, the Chicago Blackhawks went straight black with all of them playing back into their 1929 jerseys. They were fine. They were two-tone, devoid of red at all. They were fine. It was a bit of a back and forth between these two teams. Brandon Paralini's kicking things off, getting a goal. David Posternock scoring on the power play. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Dominic Calhoun put Chicago back on top. Patrice Bergeron scored a power play goal. Um, and then Sean Curley, um, with 10 minutes to go in the third, put Boston in front. Brad Marshawn with an empty netter. All the usual names for Boston playing all the hits. Now, in terms of like entertainment with this, just didn't really do it all that much for me. Weezer doing a... Uh, a uh, intermission concert, woo. But again, I'm willing to overlook a lot of uh, things and just say it was a fine game at a good atmosphere. And sometimes that's just good enough. So landing at number seven was a 2019 Winter Classic between the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. We go to number six and we go to New York City for the 2018 Winter Classic between the New York, not the New York Mets, between the Buffalo Sabres and the New York Rangers. Okay, so we all know the Winter Classic 
wanted to do a game in New York City. And if you're going to have a Winter Classic at New York City, there's only one place you go to, and that's the house that George built. We're going to go play at Yankee Stadium at an outdoor game. No, they have the pinstripe bowl. Lovely. So we ended up going to City Field out there out there at Queens. Okay, fine, fine. People will travel for these things. They wanted an all-New York matchup, but since the Rangers had to be the home team, if you can hear the air quotes, um, they brought the Sabres into town with jerseys that reminded you that, hey, we're a New York team too. This was also the 10th anniversary of the Winter Classic as well, if you couldn't tell by the big gold X that was on the freaking logo on this. It looked fine. It really did. Plus, if you didn't know... Um, the, the New York Rangers are actually the away team for this. There are some weird clause in the contract they have with Madison Square Garden that that's the only place the Rangers can be counted as a home team. Like, if they play at anywhere else in New York City, it's a road game. Like, they... It's, it's a weird contract stipulation. It, it really is. But anyway, the game itself was fine. It was a fun game. New York kicked off the goal, scoring by my boy, Paul Carey, getting a goal at the Winter Classic. Will I ever have that jersey? No. No, I won't because his family has it. Paul Carey kicked off the scoring at the four-minute mark. Rangers got in another one with Mikael Grabner scoring at the eight-minute mark as well. But Buffalo made a bit of a comeback. Sam Reinhardt scored to open up the second. And at the beginning of the third, Rasmus Rastalainen, current Philadelphia Flyer, was able to get a goal to tie it. But JT Miller, in overtime, got a nice deflection on a four-on-three power play to win it and put and have the Rangers win the game. It was a really cool effect because when he scored, they actually had pyrotechnics go off in the corners and fire shot off when JT Miller won. It was really weird and cool at the same time. But 41,000 stuffed themselves into City Field there at Queens, which is a sneaky, really good ballpark. It was just a really good day at the office. The New York Rangers wore their uh, blues, wore their navy blues with Rangers in diagonal white word mark. Really nice, classy stuff. The Buffalo Sabres, eh, their jerseys were fine. They were fine. Nothing horrible, nothing offensive, but they were fine. Hopefully we'll get the Sabres in another outdoor game game sometime. But a good game, a good atmosphere, really cold there in New York City. But again, as I've said with these kind of upper ones, it was just a fun day at the office. It really does. It really was. And perhaps maybe the last great um, Winter Classic in the NBC era of Winter Classics. And always having Uncle Doc on the call helps. The 2018 Winter Classic at number six. We're into the top five now. Top five. And at number five, oh, we're getting into the good stuff now. We we get the 2009 Winter Classic between the Detroit Red Wings and the Chicago Blackhawks. God, this was a really fun, fun event. After the success of the first one the previous year, the NHL knew it had something on their hand. And where can we go next? We need an original six team. Chicago, that works. Where are we going? Wrigley Field. Do we want to go to Southside? No. No. We are going to Wrigley Field, and by God, did they did they ever. The Detroit Red Wings on the tail end of their Russian dynasty, 
And this game really cemented the Winter Classic as an outdoor spectacle. I mean, the previous year was the first year in a snowstorm. That was great. It was beautiful. This was the one that was going to get all of the corporate branding, was going to get all of the booga, 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 the pregame concerts, the pyrotechnics, the big hockey pucks, two original six teams with frothy fan bases and two really good teams going at it, going at it as as well. Wrigley Field packed 40,000 into the ivory-coated seats, and my goodness, was this just a fun, fun game, fun game to watch. Lots of goal scoring on each side as Christopher Tang got the goal started for the Chicago Blackhawks and got them up early, but Mikhail Samuelson tied it for the for the Red Wings on a power play. Martin Havlett and Ben Eager got goals for the Blackhawks, but Yuri Hoodler got two goals to tie the game. Pavel Datsuk, whatever happened to him, was able to get a goal to put Detroit up 4-3. Brian Rafalski with a power play goal put put a little bit more insurance on it. And Brendan Lebda got another one at 6-3. Duncan Keith got a power play goal late to make it 6-4. But other than that, other than that, Detroit pretty much had this one in the bag. Did it matter that the Blackhawks lost? Not really. Not really. But let's talk about a few other nice little aesthetics. The jerseys in these are absolutely spectacular, and I will not be talked talked about it otherwise. The Red Wings went with the version of the Detroit Cougars from the 1920s in this, and oh my god, they look spectacular. White jerseys with the Royal D on them with red striping on them looked beautiful out there. The Chicago Blackhawks wore sweaters from their 1936-37 campaign, with charcoal black, white numbers, and red chest stripes. Oh, my God, they were spectacular. Throw in... Throw in Joe, Joe Quenville and Mike Babcock, both wearing varsity varsity jackets on the side, and on, on the bench, and one of them wearing a fedora out in that weather. Done. Absolutely done. Absolutely incredible atmosphere. Amazing winter classic. Lots of fun. So, yeah. Again, just another good day at the office. 2009 Winter Classic at number nine. At number five. Number four. We go to the 2012 Winter Classic. The New York Rangers versus the Philadelphia Flyers. This will not be the first time you see the Flyers in the top ten. And as I said in my previous countdown, boy, it's a lot of fun when the Flyers are involved in in Winter Classics. They just make them a lot, lot more fun. And in 2012, they wanted to put one in Philadelphia, and they got it. They put it at Citizens Bank Park. Veteran, not not veterans. Um, the link didn't get this one, but it would have its chance a few years later because um, they thought uh, baseball had better sidelines for it. Not to mention the area hosted an AHL outdoor game a few year, years prior to that. So the whole thing, whole thing worked out. It was the first year that the Winter Classic was not held on New Year's Day because January 1st fell on Sunday and the NHL stepped aside for the National Football League, which which was fine, which was fine. No problem setting aside for it. But what a game between these two clubs. But first, let's talk about jerseys between these two. The Rangers went with their big shield, night shield logo, and... Uh, off-white, cream, vintage, whatever you want to call it, jerseys with big 
blue lettering on the back. Beautiful, spectacular looking from the New York Rangers, who, like a couple other teams, I don't think have had a bad Winter Classic jersey at all. The Philadelphia Flyers was was a bit odd because there was a Fox jersey making the rounds that they were going to do a variation of the Philadelphia Quakers, a hockey club from around the 1940s. That was Philadelphia's first real hockey club. So were they going to pay homage to that with orange and a lot of black striping? Uh, No. They created a Fox back jersey with a orange body, black shoulder yoke, and black numbering. But hey, it worked. I'm not going to argue. The Flyers have always turned out some good jerseys, good jerseys as well. But the game got moved to the afternoon because of warm temperatures and direct sunlight. It was another one of those 40s New Year days in Pennsylvania. But it didn't matter. It didn't care. These two teams hated each other and wanted to go at each other's throats. Now, there was one other factor as to why it's so high. But let's get into the game summary here real quickly. Brendan Shannon for Philadelphia got them up early. Claude Giroux got got one in the second, and it was 2-0 Philly. It seemed like it was going to be all Philly, and the place was rocking. Mike Rump would score 30 seconds later to put the Rangers on the board. Mike Rump would get another one to tie the game at two. Brad Richards would end up getting a one for the Rangers to make it 3-2. And Philly mad scrambled near the end to try and get another goal. And Ryan McDonough actually ended up covering the puck in the crease. That's a penalty. That's a penalty shot, actually. And Claude Giroux tried with the penalty shot to go in on the great king himself. Goes through backhand and the king stands his ground. Good on him. And the Rangers hold on for a 3-2 victory. Very tense atmosphere there in Philadelphia. Now, is a close game in good jerseys enough to put you in the top five? No. Well, it is, kind of. But another thing that really put this in the top five was the alumni game. You had a Legion of Doom reunion there in Philadelphia. You saw Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier skate around one more time. You even had 70-year-old Bernie Piron down the pipes and make an actual save. Bernie! Good on you there, buddy. You actually had people chanting, Bernie! Bernie! In the stands for the alumni game. It was just fun. It really was. I honestly hope Philadelphia gets another one of these. Because I think they create a great atmosphere. And, um, I, I mean, a winter classic. They already got two stadium series games for the Battle of Pennsylvania but I'd like to see Philadelphia get another winter classic one of these days. Maybe Philadelphia and New Jersey. Make it happen, Batman. At number four, the 2012 winter classic between the Rangers and the, and the Flyers. Number three, the 2008 winter classic between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Buffalo Sabres. You never forget your first, and this was one of the best winter classics. This was a big risk that the NHL was doing at the time. They have... they. This was their first really true outdoor game. I mean, sure, there was one that was held in Las Vegas um, a few years prior, but this was a real risk. I mean, who knew if this was going to work? Buffalo was at the tail end of their glory aughts days. A young Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin was starting to lead this Penguins team who was starting to find themselves. And, 
you know, was this going to work? I mean, the Sabres aren't exactly well known at at this point. I mean, is this going to work? And we're playing this at Orchard Park where the Bills play? Is this going to work at Ralph Wilson Stadium? Well, the hockey gods decided to bless this game and have it in a snowstorm, in a snow globe. It was a party atmosphere. Snow being flung everywhere. And the first outdoor rink, it had a lot of elements to battle. They didn't even really think the ice was going to be all that sustainable. But my God, they found ways to make it work. Uncle Doc out there wiping down his glasses and shivering out there. But everybody just seemed to love it. I'll never forget what I read on Scott Burnside's blog on ESPN.com. When he said, if the beer is the breakfast of champions, there's a lot of champions in this stadium. And it just worked. It really did. The Penguins got up early with Colby Armstrong scoring 21 seconds into the game. Colby Armstrong. Yeah. one nothing Pittsburgh. Brian Campbell was able to tie it in the beginning of the second for the Sabres. And the two teams really didn't get much scoring after that. The conditions weren't exactly the best. Allegedly, Ryan Miller made little snow mounds on the um, on on the blue on the backside of the blue line, so the puck wouldn't roll over the line. Sneaky and yet effective. Hell, Ryan Miller actually wore toque over his goalie mask, and that got auctioned off for thousands on the collector's market. And it was just a really great atmosphere between these two teams. It went to a shootout. And the shootout winner was scored by none other than the Lord and Savior of the Inzer's hearts. Sidney Crosby ended it and officially made this a thing. There was a lot of a lot of things that did work for this, especially making this a regular season season game instead of just an exhibition. Made this a little bit more important. And good job on the on Buffalo fans. Yinzers, I'm sure, went up there. The hockey gods blessed this game with snow. It's just one of those things that all came together so perfectly that made for an unbelievable atmosphere and game. Number three, the 2008 Winter Classic. Number two, Winter Classic, the 2010 Winter Classic between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Boston Bruins. Now, I said the 2008 game made it a thing. 2009, it really got its footing. 2010 was when we knew we really had something special in this. The Winter Classic went to an iconic venue, Fenway Park in Boston. And to be honest, you could make a case for this being the best Winter Classic ever. And I thought that this could have been the best Winter Classic ever because I felt like this captures the essence of winter in Boston, of inner city outdoor hockey it was a cold balmy day there in boston eight degrees even though the sun was shining it was freaking eight for that game but people didn't care they were able to stuff thirty-eight thousand there into fenway park the dropkick murphy's playing a pregame concert yes please and thank you i'll gladly take that People watching the game on the green monster seats. Jim Cantori up there giving us weather updates. And a nice little update was that on the green monster in the lower corner, instead of having the ALE standings, they had 
the NHL Northeast standings. Before we had the modern lineup, they had the Northeast standings there in the corner. I love it when stadiums do little touches like that. The jerseys in these, absolutely spectacular. The Flyers wore white throwbacks to what they currently wear now, which were so popular. They just ended up wearing them full-time. Boston wearing gold and brown jerseys with brown lettering and gold all over them. Ugh! They looked absolutely spectacular. And these two teams, they did not like each other at all. And you could tell because we had our first ever fight in Winter Classic history. Dan Carcillo and Sean Thornton started throwing hands. Now we're into it. Now we're getting into this. It kind of set the stage that this is a regular season game. This is the rivalry game. And we're going to treat it as such. And such they did absolutely incredible between these two teams. Uh, Philadelphia was able to get a goal early in the second by Danny Severet, former Adirondack Phantom, to make it 1-0 Philadelphia. Mark Recchi tied it late in the third to make it 1-1. And then Marco Strum off of a nice deflection from Bertice Bergeron in OT gave us the first overtime winner, first home team winning the Winter Classic, and just overall great atmosphere. They started late in the day. They started with sunlight, and they ended underneath the lights. Absolutely beautiful. This was this was the Winter Classic. This was great. This was fun, and it should be the best. In my opinion, it should be the best, but, well, it's not. At number two, the 2010 Winter Classic between the Philadelphia Flyers. It just ran into a buzzsaw at number one, and I think all of you know what the number one is. Say it with me, everyone. The 2014 Winter Classic between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings. This game got delayed a year because of the lockout. But boy, oh boy, did the hockey gods reward our patience. On January 4th, 2014, this game was held at the Big Hoose there in Michigan. 105,000 people packed themselves into into Ann Arbor, Michigan to watch this game. And not only... Not only was there one here, but there was a rink set up there at Comerica Park where there was a week long of of other hockey games going on. The AHL, the OHL, even a women's hockey game was played out there. College hockey was played out there. Just absolute outdoor hockey embraced during the season. This was a year of a bit of uh, overindulgence of the of the outdoor games because there were six outdoor games that were held held this year. Four Stadium Series games, the Winter Classic, and the 2014 Heritage Classic. Wait, what would I rank the Heritage Classics? Hmm, that would be another show, as Alton Brown would say. But what made the 2014 Winter Classic so special between two teams? Well, first off, the jerseys between these two, absolutely amazing. Pure blue for the Toronto Maple Leafs, pure red for the Detroit Red Wings. And throw a nice little... uh. Holiday cursive writing on these two, holiday on it. It was just enough to make it look timeless without making it look too cartoony. But what was the best about this? (laughs) The hockey gods once again decided to bless this game with snow. Not just snow, full-blown blizzard that was scraping through northern U.S. and was actually going to smack the Atlantic as well. But 
Snow be damned, this game was going to be played. No scoring in the first, but Daniel King Alfredson would get a goal late in the second to put Detroit up early. Toronto would get two goals from James Van Riemsdyk and Tyler Bozak. Phil Kessel would get an assist on one of these to make it 2-1. Justin Abdelkader would tie the game at 2. We would go into overtime, and there was a nice 2-on-1 with uh, Alfie and Abdicator, and you thought that Alfie was going to score the OT winner, and he didn't. Unfortunately, this game went to a shootout because, well, sometimes the hockey gods demand sacrifice from us all. Just give me a second here. Detroit, Toronto was able to win it in the shootout once Tyler Bozak was able to get the goal after Pavel Datsuk got a goal. Surprise. And Jeffrey Lopel got the tying goal for Detroit. Tatar missed. Tyler Bozak got the game winner, and that was it. But who cared? It was an unbelievable atmosphere between these two teams. Snow, two rivals, U.S. versus Canada, an atmosphere that has not been matched nearly the better part of a decade between these two teams. So no real surprise that this is the best Winter Classic ever in 2014 the Winter Classic between the Detroit Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's every Winter Classic ranked, everyone, from 13 all the way to number one. Thank you for listening to this show, everyone. Go out there and enjoy your holiday week, and I'll catch you on Monday for a regular episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. Enjoy your holiday, Happy New Year, and I'll see you in 2023. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network, where there is a podcast for each and every NHL team. We also cover the American Hockey League. They have a podcast about college hockey and all the ins and outs of the hockey world. If you wish to know more about our parent club, please check out the official Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network as they cover all things Washington Capitals. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. That's at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who passed away on December 5th, 2020, to dementia and COVID. The show is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears' friends, fans, and family who lost their lives to cancer. Cancer sucks. Thank you once again for listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears. Go Bears!